0: You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Lin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate home staging to live and to sell. Welcome back to season 10. This is episode 5. This episode is brought to you by sociallightvolt.com. Are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business? Stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things. From social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, Socialite Vault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. The team at Socialite specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to socialitevault.com. Hey guys, welcome back to our regular programming the Home Staging Show where we do full hour interviews with our amazing guests. So I hope you liked my little experiment last week when we did these like little live streams and just sharing like really quick tips on different aspects of marketing uh, for home stagers. and I know there's a lot of questions. A lot of people submit a lot of questions. I mean, I think there are about 40 questions in the queue. So if I didn't get to your questions during this week's live stream, you can come on the free training next Tuesday on October 15th and ask your questions live. I'm going to be doing a free training on how to market your home staging business by sharing four key strategies I think really will work. And also I'm going to do a live Q&A afterwards. So in the past, when I do free training, usually it runs about an hour and a half, two hours. So definitely don't be shy and come on and join us. If you haven't signed up yet, there is going to be a free replay, but only if you sign up. So I'm not going to send it out to our entire email list. So if you are interested, definitely sign up. And you can do that by going to SageMore.com slash free training. And one of the little experiments I'm going to start doing is doing like mini podcast episodes because a lot of you did send in marketing questions and there was enough time to cover it this week or in the free training next week. So we're going to have mini episodes that are start going to go live where I answer your questions basically one-on-one because I want to make sure all your questions are getting answered and they're going to be answered in the order of when I receive them. So yeah, um, that's going to be, I think, a really nice bonus extra for our podcast listeners. I'm really excited about that. So today I have a very special guest. I really love her energy and she's so good at shopping and she's really great at pulling the interiors together around and she just has such a lovely personality. I just love talking to her. But she does have a bit of a controversial like company name. So if you have children around, especially if you're playing your podcast in the car, you have a bunch of children in the background, maybe skip the introduction section where I'm going to mention her company name. So on today's show, I have Kate Dawson, and she's an interior designer who specializes in making homes look like a million bucks at a fraction of the price. Don't you just love that? Kate works with her clients to make sure their home brings them a sense of joy and excitement without breaking the bank. And she does this by working with items the clients already own and then curate great acts and pieces from awesome stores like TJ Maxx, home goods, estate sales, and vintage shops. Kate strongly believes that our surrounding affect our well-being and has made it her mission in life to help families love their home. I just personally love that because I truly, I see that in stage homes as well. Because it's all really about how we live in our home and it can impact us, like affecting us, our emotional well-being and also how productive we are or physically how well we feel. So I think it's a very important strategy to make sure that you love your home and it's bringing you joy. And so she believes that changing your home can change your life. So you want to surround yourself with beauty, love and laughter. So if you're not sure how to do that, call Kate at Decor Whore. All right. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hi, Kay. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what services your company provide?
1: Sure. And by the way, thank you for having me. So my background is actually as an actor and a singer. Um, However, I have done interior design my entire life as just something that I've always been passionate about. My mom always was a decorator for friends, never professionally. But um, as a young kid, she always encouraged me to decorate also. And so as early as I can remember, I was always giving myself design challenges like with my dollhouse or Barbies or things like that. So I am completely self taught. After my son was born, he's actually seven. um, I was disenchanted with living the performer life. And I started to just get more and more into decor. And basically what happened was someone asked me if I would help them and I said, okay. And I'd never really helped anyone other than myself. I mean, they asked if I could help them and they would pay me. This is the first time someone paid me. Um, I'd always helped friends along the way, but um, we did it and she loved it. She was thrilled. I put up before and after pictures and people loved it. And so that's really how it began. That's how my business began. And it's just spread from there from people seeing pictures or referrals. But what I, what I specialize in is, Taking what you already own, like, like working with what you have, coming in and seeing all of the options and then recommending ways to arrange it, which pieces I think you should keep, which pieces I think you should, um, replace. And then I'm all about bringing in awesome accessories that I find anywhere from TJ Maxx, Home Goods, Home Sense, Wayfair, eBay, Craigslist, estate sales. I, I found stuff on the street. I am a treasure hunter, so it's It's just like the thrill for me is finding cool stuff and making it into a room that's beautiful and unique and reflects the client.
0: That's amazing. I always love and admire people with ability like that, because I think treasure hunting sounds very exciting, but it's actually quite a bit of work. Like You have to do a lot of legwork to really know your market and where to buy what.
1: Yeah, and if you don't enjoy that, then you're going to hate the job, (laughs) but for me. It's what I always did before I started doing this professionally. I mean, in some ways, I'm sort of, I have these moments where I'm at HomeGoods and I'm at TJ Maxx and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm getting paid to do this. And I it's my favorite thing in the world to do because I love to find, you know, some people say, oh, I can't go in there. It's too overwhelming. It's It's a mess and everything is out of place. And I'm like, that's what I love about it. I love the puzzle of it and the challenge of, oh my gosh, I moved these three vases and look what I found behind it. So if you don't have a passion for it, it's really not going to be fun. But for me, it never stops. I mean, every time I look through a catalog, every time I'm online, and I go to a lot of online stores, so I get a lot of you know notices where, oh, this website you follow just has this new chair or has this new um, artwork or whatever. It never stops. And I'm always working with, you know, anywhere between five and 10 clients So I look for all of them. Um, It all overlaps.
0: That is amazing. And so what is your approach when you're working with clients on their projects?
1: So the first thing I do is I have a conversation with them on the phone just to get a sense of what it is they want. Like if they are saying, you know what, I just want to freshen up the room. I just want, you know, new throw pillows and just something to liven it up. Then I do an hourly rate. I, I do want to come to the house and see it though and see what they have already to make sure that we are picking cohesive things. But I don't do that as much. Mostly I do full-on transformations where we have a conversation on the phone and then I book a one-hour consultation where I come to their home. Um, I I do charge for that because right then and there, I'm going to start giving a million ideas. I'm already going to start saying I would rearrange it like this. These are the things I would keep. These are the things we could replace. The other thing I do is I send them a questionnaire and it asks a bunch of questions just about their life I want to know what they do. I want to know what movies they love because of the in terms of what, what the look is that they love. I want to know who their style icon is. I really want to get in their head. I want to know their favorite quote. It's just a questionnaire for me to get into their head and to figure out what it is that thrills and excites them because I want their home to thrill and excite them. I believe our surroundings absolutely affect our well-being, so I'm very passionate about this. So it changes your life. So I want to transform people's homes into the home of their dreams so that they can live their best life. So after they fill out the questionnaire, I then go to their home. And that's when the work really starts. Once, um, uh, Well, actually, I'm sorry. I, I should back up a second. So I do the consultation in home, take measurements, take the four pictures. And that's how I then determine what my fee will be, because I can't determine it without seeing the space. So then I'll send a proposal. And basically, if we go forward, then that'll be the deal. Um, if they say, you know what, it's, I feel like I can do it on my own after all the ideas you gave me. I'm like, awesome. You know, I we had that hour together. Go for it. So I also ask them to put together Pinterest boards. I asked for at least 20 pictures. And some people are very reluctant to do that, uh, which is interesting to me. But that cuts out so much guesswork for me and also just make the process faster and everyone wants to see results quickly so i always say that's going to help me the most and get us going the fastest at the fastest pace
0: that's amazing so how do you go about sourcing for your clients project because they probably have different objectives and they already have stuff in their home so how do you decide what to put into their home well
1: once i have seen their pinterest boards and actually been in their home and they've filled out the questionnaire I have a sense of what it is that they want to be surrounded with. And then from there, it just all comes from me being out and about and what I see. I mean, I hit TJ Maxx and HomeGoods and HomeSense three or four times a week. And I just find things here and there that I know are going to work for this client here or that client there. I know the color scheme. I know that they need artwork for over the console in their living room. The sourcing honestly never stops, including eBay or Craigslist or I just those are just things I look for and if I see an antique shop I go in there garage sales and estate sales I'm sort of always sourcing and sometimes I buy something that I don't know specifically what client it's going to be for but I know it's an amazing
0: piece and it will get used at some point. You must be very good at tracking all the receipts <laughs> oh my
1: god. I have a bookkeeper. I have a bookkeeper, which changed my life because, you know, I'm a creative type, so that is not my thing. So I've gotten very good at sending them to her.
0: (laughs) That's great. And so how did you become so good at sourcing products for your clients?
1: You know, I think it's from my own desire and um, passion for finding great deals and finding hidden treasures because it's something I've done my whole life. My parents were antique dealers when I was growing up as a hobby and antique collectors. So I started going to antique shows with them when I was five. I started collecting things at five. I started, well, and I still collect vintage costume jewelry. I have a very expensive collection of that. But the thrill for my mom and I, I mean, we would take these weekend trips where we, I grew up in Illinois, where we'd drive to Chicago and just hit antique shops. And it was just all about finding the hidden treasures. So it's just been what I've done, I, I always something I've done. So I don't know how exactly. I think that it was sort of born into me. It's in my blood, but it's something I've done my whole life. And I, I am better at I mean, I don't take as long now in a store as I used to. So I would say over the years, I've gotten even faster at spotting that hidden gem.
0: That is so cool. And no idea your parents were antique collectors. That yeah. must be oh. very thrilling.
1: They, yeah, and it's actually hilarious because so I like to, my husband and I, um, I have a lot of stuff, as you might imagine, uh, as an antique collector. So there's always a little bit of a joke in our house that I'm a hoarder with impeccable taste. (laughs) My parents, uh, when I was growing up, had two sheds full of extra things that they had found, treasures they had found along the way. And so when I told this to my husband when we were dating, he was like sheds, like in the backyard, like the little, like four by four by four, like one of those square sheds. And I'm like, oh no, I'll show you when you come visit me, when we go and visit my, my family. So when we came, I then took him to the sheds. The sheds are actually buildings, which was a big surprise to him because it, <laughs> it was not to me. like, I was like, doesn't everybody have buildings of stuff?
0: I, I love you call things. a
1: building a shed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought it was a shed. That's what our whole family called it. So apparently, I'm, I, I then learned that it was actually a building. And so um, it's become, you know, it's basically what I'm saying is it's the way I grew up. It was just always the way my life has been. If you find something amazing in a great deal, you keep it, you take it, and you know you're going to find a place for it. <laughs> and
0: that's basically what i said. That is amazing. Oh, my God. I have really good, I, I feel like I have so much respect for antique dealers because I feel like not only you have to be really good, you also have to be really educated in terms of what stuff you're hunting. You also need to know how to negotiate because I feel like most things at antique stores are a bit more pricey because naturally you know, the the stores have to make money so they will mark the stuff up. So what is the secret when you are hunting for bargains and antiques?
1: You know, I think one thing for me is I don't mind if something has a tiny little nick. I think, you know, if I find a stunning Art Deco vase and there might be a little nick on the back and a perfect vase like that might be $800, but because there's that little nick, it might be $120, let us say. That doesn't bother me. I find the beauty is just as exquisite to me. And also I love that there is history to it. I love the idea. And maybe this is the storyteller in me since I'm a performer also, but I love the idea that this was loved by someone else and that it's being repurposed and loved in another home. So I think that's one of the things I don't, I don't think it has to be absolutely perfect. Um, But that that also comes down to the client. You know, I do know which client I definitely have clients that are like, if there's a Nick, they're not going to want it. And that's okay. Like everyone, have their own thing in that way like some people don't want anything that has any damage at all but for me I don't mind a little bit and I always tell the client if I find it I, like, I might say this so for example I found this amazing decanter set on ebay that's going to be going into a dining room for a client and in the description it says underneath the handle there's a tiny little nick and the decanter set was like 40 bucks and it's gorgeous it's this incredible teal color and so I said to the client, you know, there is a little, it says there's a little nick. Here's the picture. It doesn't look like it's much to me. If it were me, I would buy it, but it's up to you. And she looked at it, she looked at the picture and she said, no, I'm, I'll buy it. I don't think anyone will notice. And I said, neither do I. So I think it's that too, just like being able to overlook little things like that. Also, um, you find out after you've been searching for things on eBay for a long time, what the, the right words to use are. For example, I love Dorothy Draper. She was um, a very famous interior designer. She designed the Greenbrier in North Carolina and just a ton of other amazing homes and rooms. So she was part of an era called Hollywood Regency. So I noticed when I started searching for Hollywood Regency as opposed to Dorothy Draper, I started finding things at a better price. Because if you have her name on it, it's going to be some things that are specifically her design. But you just start to learn little tricks like that so that you can find the items that are inspired by uh, whatever the era is or the person is, but don't have that name brand. And I'm all about like the non-name brand that looks name brand.
0: That's awesome. I love that. That is a really good trick, actually. I think do people do hang up on that name brand thing? I'm actually in Stockholm right now, and I'm shadowing a friend of mine who's a photographer for interiors, but she also shoots... Antique, like Scandinavian and Danish modern <gasps> furniture.
1: Oh my God, I, I love that era. I love Danish
0: yeah. work and, and everything, and, right? Oh, and the mid- century. Yeah. Oh, but we're discussing, God. yeah, but we're, we're talking about how a lot of Swiss people, when they have money, they buy the very recognizable brands mm-hmm. because, in a way, it's already everyone approved. That means that you have taste. Uh, But in a way it's kind of a boring way to decorate because you don't really necessarily understand the history behind it or the ideology behind those design. You're simply buying it because of the brand.
1: I agree. I think, you know, I, I really try to encourage my clients to put together the Pinterest board because I really want, a place to reflect them. And I don't want it to reflect their idea of what great design is or something like that. So I try to encourage people to not be hung up on a name brand. But I also, you know, for, for what I will do if I know someone really likes a, a name brand, for example, I love vintage rattan furniture, like I'm obsessed with it. And it's become very popular in interior design in the last couple years. But I like the vintage stuff, but it's very anthropology looking. So if I know a customer has a certain love for, let's say, anthropology, I will drop the name when I send them a picture of it. I'll say, check out this, you know, I just found this little cool rattan table. So anthropology, what do you think? And then they have a frame of reference. And then it sort of clicks for them. And they're like, oh, yeah, and it's only 50 bucks as opposed to 500 at anthropology. I do think there's, there's, it's very useful to have, um, to be able to refer to a brand, but then when you can find it at a lower price, then the thrill, you know the client's thrilled.
0: Yeah, and the funny thing is a lot of stores like Anthropology and Restoration Hardware, they're basically copying the designs off of vintage. And Yes, totally. That's the thing. (laughs) I don't actually understand the restoration hardware thing at all. I don't understand
1: it at all. I mean, look, any interior designer can take you there and show you a $12,000 couch. And I will if that's what you want. But there's so many awesome sofas at so many other places. I got my sofa on Wayfair. You can even get sofas at HomeSense, HomeGoods. I actually think Raymore and Flanagan has some really great sofas too. There's so many options that are going to give you the same look and you're not going to spend
0: $12,000. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's the thing with brands Mm -hmm. because in a way is, there's like a perceived value, even though the actual value might not be as high as, you know, other items were not the same brand. My mom loves jewelry Mm. and then so she looks at a lot of catalogs and you know, not that we can afford a tons of them, but it was interesting because you know, you walk by store windows like Cartier, you know, these yeah. like, very famous jewelers, but we're talking about the actual value of that watch, for example, or that, the diamond earring from Cartier. Yeah. You can probably fight the same stone at a fraction of the price yeah. and have a better setting. But because Cartier is going to sell more on an auction.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah, there's a huge markup for a brand. I mean, that's actually how vintage costume jewelry became so popular was because, you know, it really gained so much popularity during the war because people suddenly couldn't afford the high-end jewelry. And so brands like Kemp's J. Lane and Trafari and Coro and all these other brands started making really good costume jewelry that looked real, wasn't really, but Trafari did a lot of Cartier knockoff styles. That was smart marketing back then. Yeah, it's so interesting to see the history of brands and how they get developed.
0: Yeah, so in your experiences, you must go to a lot of clients' homes. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see them make when it comes to shopping for their home?
1: You know, I think that the biggest mistake, and this is a hard one because it's different for each person, but overall, I'd say the biggest mistake is furniture arrangement. They just don't have any idea how to arrange the furniture to really, to really maximize the
0: space of the room and also to give it the right energy flow. So what are some of the things that you think can help them to correct those mistakes? I think it's really important to think about logic in a room. For example, if you have a fireplace,
1: you want to be facing the fireplace or you want something facing the fireplace. But, you know, sometimes I've seen, and look, we, there are a lot of old houses in the area we live in. And some, some of the floor plans are a little challenging depending on where the fireplace is. But um, you don't want... To have something facing away from the fireplace, for example. Uh, You want to really figure out a way to keep that open to the room. I think the other big mistake is people will just hang one picture on a wall and nothing else. You know, you can't just like for me, I mean, just a picture on a wall just looks so lonely. And it also is usually hung too high. Most people hang pictures way too high. Uh, also, it's usually, as I think I just said this, in the middle of the, of the wall as opposed to a little off center or somehow it's related to another little vignette in the room. Like there has to be logic around it. Like this is a little reading nook or something, you know, so this has a little table and a little lamp and a little chair and some artwork above that. I would also say to make sure you, you have it as open as possible so that there's not big pieces of furniture in the middle of the room that are hard to walk around you need to make sure that there's a pathway to get through to a doorway if there if you if you need to get through so really it's just some logical things like that uh and for me like making sure that the energy flow makes sense so that you're not blocking it some of that has to do with feng shui and i don't you know not i don't know if everyone's into feng shui but i really will feel like energy blocks if i'm in a room and the couch is facing the wrong
0: direction and what about colors? Do you find a lot of times people are maybe scared of using colors? Yeah, what I find is either people are terrified or
1: they are a little bonkers with the color. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. There's like no um, new middle ground. It's either or. Yeah. It feels like.
1: Yeah. Yes, I mean, there are, don't get me wrong. I've had a couple, uh, I, I have actually had a number of clients who really were doing a pretty good job and just needed that extra encouragement or um you know just a little bit of extra i promise you this will look good um because some of you know some do have some color already but generally then i will say you know this color will go with this too you don't just have to have, have to only have one color in here we can have multiple colors <laughs> yeah so I, but then there's another house actually um that i saw uh, we were shopping we were looking for a house to buy and the wall color in this house was crazy and I you know there was half of me that was like you know I gotta give them props for not being too scared but wow these are bright colors
0: <laughs> and were some of the things that you see people doing wrong when they're budgeting for redecorating their homes I think probably buying
1: a name brand just because they know that that means it's good honestly I would say that's the biggest thing because I had a client call me and they said I found this mirror at such and such store and I bought it. I wanted for this room, and I love it. And it was like $150. And I found virtually the exact same thing as Home Goods for 20 bucks. But yeah, I do think that there that it's the brand thing. Exactly what you said earlier. Oh, it was at this store, so I know it's good.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, a lot of times, I will buy things on sale. You know, because Anthro has really good home sale. Same thing with yeah, Pottery yeah, Barn. Two chairs. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Lucky. And I'll actually leave the label anthropology on it, and I'll just tear off the sale part because I do think sometimes clients is like, are you gonna put all like IKEA stuff in here? But the thing is, sometimes IKEA has actually really nice, beautiful, very good design-looking stuff mm-hmm. that you can really use in a home that doesn't look like IKEA at all. And so I think a lot of it is perception. And we even have co-words on job site in case clients are around like i'm not gonna tell my sister be like hey can you tell the guys to bring the ikea table over we're gonna have a cool (laughs) word for that brand just so like clients from ikea kind of thing so yeah
1: yeah yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, it, and it, yeah, it depends on, you know, some clients actually get really excited if they hear that, that you got it at Home Goods or Home Sense because they love the discount, but they're not going to go tell their friends that <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. But, I, but I do like that. I, but there are the clients, you're right, who they, you know, they don't want to know
0: exactly where it was sourced. They just want it to look great. Yeah, exactly. So is there a right way for homeowners to figure out how much they should budget when it comes to their design project? That
1: is such a tough one too, because it is so subjective in the end, what they do and, and don't decide to purchase. But I think it and it also depends on how much they want to do for the space. If they want a real overhaul and they want to do it in a budget friendly way, I think they still need to realize it's going to cost a couple thousand dollars. If you just want, you know, I just want some new throw pillows and new lamps just to freshen things up. You can do that for a couple hundred bucks. But it really depends on the scope of the job and how much change they want.
0: You're right. And I noticed that you use a lot of colors in your work. So how do you use bright colors without making the home feel very young or immature, like a teenager did the room? I think that comes down to what the item is.
1: So for example, I did an office with this amazing turquoise chair. And the chair though is very sophisticated. It's the, the design of the chair does not feel juvenile at all. I think you can use bright colors and easily keep it elegant. You just have to be selective with what are the items that have that bright color.
0: I think that's a really great answer. And so how long does it take you to shop for your clients? Like what is that process like before you decide what you're going to buy?
1: Um, well, for the larger items, I always send them ideas, you know, if we're getting new sofas and chairs and tables, I will find different options online and send them to them and say, these are the three, you know, these are the three sofas that I found that I think would look great. I mean, I usually, we usually always start with either deciding what the wall color is going to be or what the rug is going to be, or I'll say, what is the main item you want to replace? Like I had a client who said, I just want, I hate my couch. I want a new couch. And we can, we can decide from there what the rest of the design will be. And they said they wanted a bold colored couch, which I was like, awesome, because usually people are like, I want a beige couch. So we picked this stunning reddish green. I'm sorry, not reddish green. That would be really strange. uh, Bluish green, like a, like a teal, but almost, but more green than blue sofa and we ordered that and basically we were like okay so that's the inspiration so once we went from there we then went to the rug and we found this amazing rug that had different colors peel in that but also had some pinks and blues and then the rest started to come together so I would say the beginning in, in the beginning those selections take a little bit longer just because they're the bigger items that usually can take a week or two depending on how quickly they make a decision uh, this client actually made the decision within a week, so we got moving pretty quickly. But I just put the the few options together, send them, and then they can pick from there.
0: That's great. And I was just curious, do you ever buy wholesale?
1: I have many wholesale markets, but so far, I'm, I'm sorry, accounts. But what I have experienced so far is the wholesale Prices are usually more than they are on Wayfair or, you know, if it's high, high end, obviously I could save money for the wholesale, but my clients tend to be regular people who want to have a beautiful home, but don't have a million dollars. So I've bought a few things, pillows, things like that, but the furniture I haven't done much of because they usually also have an initial buy, you know, you have to have a minimum like of an $8,000
0: order or something to get a bunch of their furniture? Right. So
1: I haven't had a job big enough yet
0: to to need that. And I know you source vintage and secondhand. So do you have any suggestion for newbies on that?
1: I think estate sales are a fantastic place to find things. I think that a lot of people think that estate sales and garage sales are the same. And they're really estate sales are so much better than garage sales. I also think that people don't use enough books, like colorful bound books. Books are an amazing decorating tool. Uh, you can use them to have different levels in your bookcases and just and that's just interesting. Um, they're just interesting to look at. So I always get books at garage sales because they're usually cheap. And I, when I say book, I mean like a hardbound book or coffee table book. Um, and let's see. I think also if you if there's something you're interested in and you know exactly what it is, I check Craigslist every couple of weeks for certain items
0: that I always am on the lookout for. And just sort of patience and enjoying the enjoying the hunt. Yeah, and because you mentioned Craigslist and eBay, so is it the key of what keyword that you input to search for it? Yes.
1: So, for example, I often will just search Hollywood Regency, and it brings up all sorts of different things. It can bring up, it'll bring up furniture, it'll bring up uh, decorative items, lamps, etc. Or I might look mid-century modern. Actually, I was just looking for candlesticks for someone, and I thought mid-century would go great with the aesthetic and the look that we're going for. So I just type in mid-century candlesticks. And the more specific you can get, the easier it will be to find things. But, you know, if there's also always a possibility that someone is selling something and they don't know what it is, so they don't have on their mid-century, you know, they don't know. So, you know, there's always... There's always a little bit of guesswork and just playing around, and then I'll read the descriptions to see if there's a keyword in there that might be useful in another search.
0: That's great. That's such a good idea. I love that. And what are some of the ways for people to create interior that looks high end but still budget friendly?
1: You know, I think that's really easy to do if you just know what you're looking for. I think looking through decor magazines uh, is really helpful to people if they don't know exactly what they want uh i mean, or even looking through pinterest i actually just i love decor magazines i just like magazines i'm old school i guess and uh i think if you start really looking at the elements of a room you like in these magazines then you can start to look at look for them in places like tj maxx home goods online I think that it's just a matter of really identifying what it is you love in that room. Let's say you see these pair of gourd lamps in in this room. You're like, oh, I love those gourd lamps. They're they're Jonathan Adler. I don't want to spend $800. So I would then go to eBay, go to Craigslist or Wayfair. Or I I actually check TJMaxx.com every day,
0: their home site, because they get great lamps.
1: Um, And I would put in
0: gourd lamp and just see what comes up. That's Awesome like, I really love your suggestion about looking at design magazines. I also think a lot of it is composition, like how people put the room together as well. Yeah,
1: arranging furniture is extremely important.
0: Um, If the home is outdated, what are some of the budget-friendly ways to refresh the interior?
1: The fastest way, I always say paint is decorator's miracle. Nothing can transform a space faster than paint. It is going to cost a little bit but not as much as if you need a new carpet and a new couch and a new set of chairs a new lamp the difference in just a coat of paint is astonishing
0: that's amazing
1: and the other way to save on that you can save if you do the paint yourself too which i'm too old to do that now but i did do that you know i painted all the time when i was in my 20s
0: yeah and i love spray paint it makes um, it makes a lot of things so much easier
1: Yeah, I actually never spray painted that. I bet that does make things easier.
0: Yeah. And when you're looking at clients' homes, how do you decide what they need?
1: That is a really hard question. It's sort of intuitive. I just can tell. I just sort of walk into a room and I'm like, well, there needs to be a chair there because that's the perfect spot to just sit and read. And, you know, this area needs a console table. It's just a big blank wall. Or, you know, we need some height and you already have artwork. So we need a bookcase.
0: It, for me, it's looking around and seeing where the holes in the room are, if that makes sense. That makes sense, actually. I, I think we do have this intuitive sense when we're in this space, to feel like, oh, maybe something is off and we, I need to add something here. And I think that's a lot of times, I think people like creative professionals, we kind of struggle in a sense, like, where do you find that balance? Like, how do you know when is enough? Like, there's enough furniture in this room now. Like, how much artwork and accessories do I need to add in? Do you have a guideline that you go by to determine when is enough?
1: Um, I always check in with a client because some clients are more minimal than others. So after I've looked through all their Pinterest boards and spent time with them now that I'm decorating their home, that's basically how I can tell. I can look around and just say, you know, their taste is more sparse, so we don't want too much here or too much there. With another client, you know, you can just tell after you start working with them if they want a few more little items. But it really, that's so subjective. It just really comes down to the person. I mean, my own personal aesthetic, I probably am a more is more person. I tend to have more accessories on a table than the average person. But I know that's my aesthetic. So I'm very careful when I decorate someone else's home to tune in to what it is that they like. But I, other than that, it really comes down to, to the client. If the client says, I feel like something needs to be there. I feel like there's not enough on this table or not on, a, on that table. Then I just say, okay, no problem. I'll go source a few more items and we can see what we think.
0: Yeah. And so when you're putting all this plan together with your client, how do you make it feel and look cohesive?
1: So what I like to do is basically work together for however long the job takes. It depends on what we're ordering and how long it takes to get things shipped to their home. But then I like to do a reveal day basically. So I just did a couple of these actually this week and I have another one tomorrow. I call them the transformation days and I go with my handyman and everything, all the little items have been ordered and these are just the, the little items, the zhuzhing items is sort of what I call them. But so the paint's already been done. The wallpaper's already been put up. The furniture's there. But now it's these last elements that make all the difference. So I'm going to go in there and I'm going to hang all the artwork and I'm going to position all of the lamps and the tables and picture frames and dress and style the bookcases. And I usually spend about two or three hours doing that. For example, on Tuesday, I had a client. She, she had a huge bookcase in her family room, and it just had no style, really. And so I went in with all sorts of objects that I had curated from Home Goods, etc., all those places. And then I spent the day setting those up while my handyman also hung mirrors and artwork that we had ordered that hadn't been hung yet, and built a few tables that we needed to have built too that we got from Wayfair. But I really tried to do sort of a before and after and I I don't let them into the room for a couple hours and then I let them come in after I've placed all the pillows and just in all the last minute almost like the seasoning of the room like the salt and pepper of the room or you know um, I've added the parmesan cheese to the pasta you know it's just that last element that suddenly brings in the warmth and and I really think a, a feeling of design and like oh someone lives
0: here That's great. And do you come back to refresh or you work with them? Maybe they're changing it up or it's a different season. They want a different color palette. Do you do something like that with them as well? You know, I'm always, if anyone
1: ever calls and wants help, I'm always available either to do a room or to do some sort of hourly arrangement. Absolutely. You know, sometimes, let's see, I'm trying to think, oh, well, I was speaking with a client the other day and she was saying something about, she was thinking about having a dinner party and she didn't know how to, to do the table on the, at the night of the party because you don't, you don't have your table set all the time. You do if you have a party. And I said, well, if you need help with that, you know, you can hire me hourly and I'll come in and I'll dress your table. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I am happy to do any sort of job like that.
0: That's great. I just love it. I think there's so much potential in this. There's so many different situations and ways to help clients to achieve their goal for their home.
1: Yeah. And I mean, for me, the thrill is just seeing the joy that they have when it's been, I mean, I said this earlier, and I don't mean to be repetitive, but it changes your life when you love your home. It just does. And I've done several offices uh, over the last few months and I will still get texts saying, I love to work now from home because I love my office. I'm inspired, I'm organized, I'm excited. And my mind feels clearer because everything in my space is clearer. So for me, there's just this huge thrill to know that I've brought beauty, love, and hopefully some laughter into their life because I think we all need more laughter and we all need more fun.
0: That's great. And so what are some of the biggest design lessons you've learned in your career?
1: I would say, um, you know, one of them is communication is always, I mean, that's the biggest lesson in life period, but, you know, early on, I remember I was working with a client and we ordered quite a bit of furniture from Wayfair and, you know, to save money on Wayfair, you can have it come and assemble it yourself. And, um, for whatever reason, this client didn't understand that they thought it was going to come assembled. and Uh, You know, it's just little things like that that I realized, Okay, so that person didn't realize that Wayfair, you know, that's why you're getting it for 300 bucks as opposed to 1200 because you're actually going to be doing that work. So getting really clear about, you know, these are ways I like to save money. These are ways I can save you money. But if that's not something you want to do, I have a handyman who can build the Furniture for you if you want, or you can pay Wayfair because Wayfair actually has an option where you can ask for it to be completely assembled and you'll pay more for it. But just communicating things like that, like really understanding, okay, here's a way you can save money, but it does require then you have to do a little work. So things like that, just that type of really clear communication. Oh, I think the other big one also is just I, I always say this to every client, you know, we're ordering online, there's always an element of risk. Like I think that blue looks perfect, but is it going to be a little different when it gets to your home? It's possible. Overwhelmingly, I've had great luck with ordering online, but I've also ordered like, uh, actually a client this week, we ordered a fireplace screen for their fireplace and it didn't look like a bright gold in the picture. It looked like a subtle gold, but we got it. and It was like, Whoa, that is gold. So we have to send it back. But the thing about that, yeah, you're gonna have to spend a little money to send it back, but you're still saving in the long run, because you're not buying, you know, so you have to spend, let's say, 20 bucks to send that back. Or even like when I bought my sofa, my sofa had, if I didn't like it, I could return it for 75 bucks. But the sofa was like $650. And so I was like, well, it's worth the $75 risk. Turned out I loved it. But um, just being really clear that sometimes what we think is going to be one thing we get it in the space and it isn't exactly what we thought it was going to be. And so there just needs to be an element of, you know, there's some give and take and our minds might change just that nothing is set in stone. I think is probably the best lesson is just like, Oh, here's another example. I had ordered these lamps for a client for their buffet. And then I found another pair that I liked better. And I just said to her, I said, I know you've already bought these lamps, and we ordered them online, and it would cost something to ship them back. But I found this other pair that's actually a third of the cost, and I think would work better. I said, I'm going to bring them by. Let's try them on the buffet. Let's see what you think. I put them up, and we were both like, those are better. So that happens, you know. think you're going to find things at different times. So just to be open to going with the flow and um, knowing that. There are other costs you might have to incur here and there, but it just depends on what you want for that room, like how you want it to look.
0: Uh, I think that's exactly right. And can I ask you for some resources when it comes to sourcing stuff? Sure. I mean, I, I tell people this and I feel like I shouldn't
1: because I'm going to start to not get such great stuff. <laughs> but TJMaxx.com, their home, online home section, I get stuff all the time. Home Goods, Home Sense, World Market, Tuesday morning pier one occasionally um although i actually think pier one is a little expensive in comparison with the others let's see i'm trying to think any vintage store but i would say the the main ones i hit are homes Sense, home goods and pj maxx
0: and world Mar- actually yeah world market is a big one too War market yeah. Uh, yeah that's a really good place and where yeah. do you normally find artwork i think that's one of the biggest yeah pain point i think I don't, you know, every
1: every region is different. So I don't know how what what I live in New Jersey, which is very close to New York City, so I feel that we get a lot of really good contemporary stuff. I get a ton of artwork at HomeSense and HomeGoods, a lot.
0: That's great. That's very cool.
1: And online at tjmax.com, I I will order from from the website too.
0: Right. And then how about rugs?
1: Rugs I usually get um, online at Wayfair. Um, I've bought a few from eSaleRugs.com, but I've been happier with the Wayfair rugs. I don't think I've bought any really from anywhere else. I just think they have good prices and they have good return policy. And um, yeah, so I've I'd say pretty much all have been from there. I mean, me personally, I also like older rugs, so I've I for myself have bought some older rugs that, at antique
0: shops. Right. And so do you usually just have the clients buy the stuff that you recommend, and then you come in and put them together? Like, how does that process work?
1: Yeah, it depends. So if it's like a big piece of furniture, if it's, you know, a console for the, t- for the TV or a sofa, yeah, I send them options. And then I, I say, you know, this is my number one pick. This is the one I would recommend you purchase, because I think it goes with X, Y, and Z. And then it'll get delivered. And then we wait for a bunch of things to be delivered. So for the client this week on Tuesday, we ordered three new chandeliers. We ordered a mantle to install on her fireplace and artwork to go over the both mantles. She has a mantle in the dining room and the living room. And so all that stuff, you know, had to just stay in boxes for a while because then I came with my handyman and then we knocked it out in three hours just hanging everything because otherwise you're going to have to pay my handyman more to come back over and over and over again right but then like smaller items like these lamps you know that i saw that i thought would look better than the ones we'd already bought they were at home since they were 60 bucks each and i was like i'll just buy them and i can just return them if if we decide that we don't like them so things that are not tons and tons of money i don't mind paying for first and getting reimbursed that's okay with me and anything i physically bring to a client's home i also charge i have a sourcing fee on
0: those right that makes total sense and do you ever recommend for them to repaint or get rid of certain things in their homes? Yes, absolutely. Um, a friend of mine. I, I
1: Repainting is a big thing, especially for um, a lot of the old homes here that have a lot of wood paneling or um, wood molding. I'm working with a client right now who has a house probably built in the 1920s and all the molding is the original wood. And it's, it's beautiful, but it's not contemporary. It's not, what we're seeing anymore and so my first recommendation was I would paint all of the trim white we're gonna do that we're gonna start next week and I think that that's just one of the best ways is is just to paint it just makes such a huge difference wait did I answer your question
0: No I think that was perfect but I was wondering okay. like what if you come in and a client has like for example if they have like a super strong accent wall like a bright orange is that something you will ask them? to maybe tone it down, like if you see it as a problem for the overall plan.
1: I ask them if they want that, you know, basically I say, what are the non-negotiables of this room? And I do that with every room and every client. For example, like I just bought this couch. This couch must be used no matter what, or someone else, you know, I have this bright orange wall. I will not paint over it. You've got to make it work. And I'll just say, okay, I understand, and um, I, I will. It, it won't necessarily be my taste, but that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm
0: decorating for them. That's true. And do you find certain colors harder to work with? Hmm. No, not really. I love color, as, as you said and you noticed. I would say
1: of all the colors I use, not as often is probably like a bright, bold red Because to me, it just is too holiday. It just, immediately I feel like it's holiday time if I see red. I don't mind burgundy or pink or a cranberry, but like fire engine red, now that
0: I think about it, I very rarely use anything that's bright red. Right. And so our interview is coming to an end. And what is the number one tip you're going to give to a homeowner when it comes to sourcing and decorating their home?
1: My number one tip I would say is try it It's you can return it you can change it just try it I think that that's the big thing is people will say well I didn't know I thought well maybe I should go with this but then I thought maybe I should go with that and then I just got so overwhelmed and I didn't know what to go with and I was like well just pick one like I thought I should maybe get orange lamps. well go get orange lamps. just try it and see how it makes you feel it can be returned nothing is permanent (laughs) in home decor anyway Even wallpaper, I mean, you know, people are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to like it. And I I say, I promise you it's going to be stunning. And the worst case scenario is you hate it and we take it down. Yes, that will cost a little bit of something. So you have to weigh that out for yourself. But you also have to really realize, like, you know, this is home decor. This is supposed to be fun. Let's, like, really liven things up.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of glad that you mentioned wallpaper because it's making a comeback. So is there any tricks To picking the right wallpaper for the room like because it used to be everyone just do wall to wall to wall wallpaper right but that's not the case anymore
1: well I will let me first say this wallpaper in my mind never went out I have been obsessed with wallpaper always (laughs) Uh, but I will say that I totally agree it's not the same type of thing it's not like oh here's the dining room every wall will be wallpapered so whenever I have used it I use it sparingly usually so it might be one wall, an accent wall, or it might be, for example, I'm working with another client right now, and she has just this really cool little alcove window in her living room. And so we're going to wallpaper just the alcove. And then we're going to take the, the background color of that wallpaper and use it for the rest of the room so that it's, um so it's cohesive. So it, it, it actually relates to each other. But I think that I actually noticed this in a magazine recently, I saw someone just wallpapered the area of their, above the mantle, like just the mantle area. So instead of a huge piece of artwork, they just had cool wallpaper. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, I think there's that the wallpaper has so many possibilities. There's so many cool ways to have it really make a room more interesting and exciting. But you have to actually take the pattern into consideration. Like if you're dealing with something that has a really large scale, I think you can sometimes, Do more than one wall, but if you have something that's a very small scale and it's really busy, you're not going to want that on every wall, or you're going to like get a headache. So it's just a matter of really looking at the at the paper and the design, and weighing out, you know, how much can the eye take in.
0: And that's great. If people don't want to spend a lot of money, what can they do?
1: Um, I think that if you just want like a quick refresh, I always recommend. New throw pillows, plants, I think plants make a huge difference in a room. Paint, I said, but, you know, again, that can get expensive unless you're doing it on your own, but I would say those are my three main things, and, and pictures, and how you're hanging your pictures on your wall, and you can get great pictures and artwork at TJ Maxx for, you know, 40, 50 bucks, and just have a couple of those, put them together, just don't hang one picture in the middle of the wall all alone
0: that's great so thank you so much for being on the show i hope you have fun
1: my pleasure i did i had a great time thanks for having me i really appreciate the invite i hope i i hope i help and inspire some people out
0: there this episode is brought to you by sociallightvault.com are you overwhelmed with the marketing your home staging business stop wasting time worrying or wondering if you're doing the right things from social media to email newsletter that get attention of listing agents, Light Vault makes marketing simple and effective. You don't need a huge marketing budget. You don't need a huge audience either. You just need real marketing tools that work and the right sales funnel to deliver new leads, even when you aren't working. The team at Socialite specializes in marketing for home stagers. Get started today by going to sociallightvault.com. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.